I added one more podcast to the giant podcast bin. Now you have plucked that podcast out and started listening. I took my microphone and found some human folk. Then I recorded all the noises while we spoke. My name is Adam Buxton. I'm a man. I want you to enjoy this. That's the plan. Hey, how you doing, podcats? Adam Buxton here, enjoying a morning walk in the countryside. And it's not a very nice day today. Weather-wise, it's just stopped raining, and it's like the kind of weather that I imagine pervades in Cormac McCarthy's book, The Road, a kind of impenetrable grey dreariness. The sun banished like a grieving mother with a lamp. Anyway, I don't care because it's Friday. That's party time! In the Buckles house, me and my wife are going to be curled up on the sofa with Rosie. And we're going to be watching the living heck out of something very good on TV. I don't know what. Oh yeah, I bumped into someone the other day. We were talking about Greta Gerwig the actor, and they said, have you seen Miss America? Is it called Miss America? Anyway, it's one of her films, and they said, oh, you should really see that. It's hilarious. So we're going to watch that, maybe. That's by the by. More of this kind of interesting uh, chat. At the end of the podcast, for the elite listening brigade that sticks through to the bitter end. But for now, let me tell you about today's podcast, number 50 which features a conversation recorded in May of this year, 2017, with May Martin. <laughs> hey! Oh. And then in June, I talked to June Sarpong, and in July, I talked to Miranda July, and in September, I talked to Donnie September. And in August, I talked to Augustus Gloop. Oh, okay. Um, May Martin, she's an award-winning stand-up comedian, from Canada. And uh, she's also an actor. As you will hear, she has just turned 30. So she's young. She's a young person. Well, that's the way it seems to me. One of the reasons I like May, who is a very talented and funny stand-up, is that she is not typical of many blustery and super confident stand-up comedians. And off stage, she seems really quite diffident. But she's very charming and easygoing. She's good company, and yet, as you will hear, at one stage in her life, she was so wayward, she assumed she'd never even see her 30th birthday. Other topics covered in the chat include the Beatles. May's a massive Beatles fan, as well as being a huge Bette Midler fan, but we talk less about that. We talk about tattoos, polysexuality. Hey, Polly. Hello. Polysexuality over there. Uh, Bear threats. Yeah, that's right. Threats by actual bears. Astral projection. It's all in here. Plus, there's a few good uh, recommendations for podcasts and parlour games at the very end of our conversation. That's all to come. So why delay any further? Here we go. Session. 
I haven't spoken out loud today. You're the first. Have you not? It's the first time I've heard my own voice. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You happy with it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, really happy with it. It's going really well. I think I sound great, actually. <laughs> uh, so, May, we were talking about the fact that you haven't done too many podcasts. No. Is that a policy decision? I would love to do every podcast. I think it's so nice to not have the pressure to be so hilarious. Is that... Wait, is that... Oh. Oh. Oh, sorry. Okay. Um, uh, I'll go. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. Just have a nice, normal conversation. Yeah, and I, I listen to them all the time. I mean, I will be feeding you lines from your live shows to enable you to yeah. <laughs> launch into bits of material at various points. I was just on Eggheads, on um, Celebrity Eggheads. I mean, a broad definition of the word celebrity. Eggheads is a quiz, afternoon quiz type thing, is it? Yeah, it's an afternoon quiz where you go up against the country's best quizzers. Uh-huh. And so Jeremy Vine fed me a line from my stand-up, and I guess the material was embellished. So when he fed it to me, I didn't get it, and the, yeah, it didn't it didn't work very well. Ah, I mean, I dropped out of high school and just stopped absorbing any information so long ago. But I really embarrassed myself on on this Eggheads quiz show because I couldn't think of the Sistine Chapel. I knew the Vatican, but I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't think of the word Sistine. Okay. Well, it's difficult when you're on the spot. I mean, oh it's gosh. really hard. It'll haunt me, though. It'll, I mean, I've been there. I've, it's just insane yeah. to not know that. But yeah, it is hard. I was on uh, Celebrity Mastermind, which is pretty easy. Oh, what was your topic? Uh, it was David Bowie in the 70s. Oh, great. So I thought I was pretty good and I was confident. And then I get I got a very... A couple of easy ones. Oh, right? really? Um, and that, that was bad. And then things like on the general knowledge, where is Henman's Mound? A mm. sports question. Where, in which sporting arena would you find Henman's Mound? What would you say to that? Um, it's Tim Henman, isn't it? Tennis? So, so w- Wembley. <laughs> no, wait, what's... <laughs> Wimbledon, Wimbledon. There you go. Yeah, Wimbledon. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> oh, no. Wimbledon. Um, Wimbledon. Well, you did better than I did. What did you say? I just it, I had nothing. I had nothing. You couldn't think of. I didn't Henman. associate mm. Henman with Tim Henman. Right. And I just ended up <laughs> saying uh, the Sport Palace <laughs> or something like that. It oh, was awful. Oh. I don't know what my topic would be on. Maybe yeah, maybe it would be it would be like the Beatles solo material. I think. Really? That might be, yeah, that might be my topic. Yeah. Beatles, but like you're better at the solo stuff than you are at them it, together. I just think that so many people are Beatles experts that the trivia gets really tough. Right, you've got to localise it a bit. Yeah. Sure. And and because they'd want to challenge you because so many people know about the Beatles. But I think I spent some time studying up on the solo material. But are you a massive Beatles head anyway? I'm a Beatles head, yeah. Good one. Big time. What's yeah. your best, what's your go-to solo record then uh, out of all of them? I mean, that's a tough question. Yeah, it depends what's going on in my life. I'm I'm into McCartney right now. Um, mm. Yeah, really into. What's that got on it? It's got maybe I'm amazed and lovely Linda, Mama Miss America and Junk, yeah. and gr- yeah, great stuff. So you're not going for any of um, Ringo's solo oh. albums then? <laughs> I mean, I go on his website a lot. <laughs> Do you? Yeah, have you been on his website? No. It's why? Just, why would I go? <laughs> you've got to go. It's just videos of him saying peace and love and he's walking through his garden and peace and love not signing any more autographs yeah he's and he's got this weird garden it's like an acid trip he's got like hedge mazes and weird sculptures and Mm. peace and love ringo and then lennon you like the lennon solo stuff presumably yeah in my teens and early 20s that was all i listened to now i've moved on i feel a bit disillusioned about lennon in general 
Why? I was talking to someone else about it. I was talking to Zadie Smith about it. Oh, really? Yeah, she turns out to be a big um, Lennon fan. Oh, oh, Lennon fan. Yeah, yeah, and found him very inspirational. And I was sort of quizzing her about that because I'm such a... You know, I get so easily confused. Same. By things. And what, as soon emotionally? As, uh, by, in all <laughs> sorts of ways. Okay, yeah, yeah. You know, if a, if a person is complex, yeah. if it's a complex character, if you like their work, but then some of the details about their private life yeah. you don't appreciate so much, you think, oh, I don't know, if, does that change the way? Should it change the way I feel about their work? That's, I'm always thinking about it, you know. That's exactly what I'm going through, yeah. And what were the things that put you off about Lennon or I mean, made you conflicted? I don't know. I don't think I don't think he was a very good father, and he, I don't. He was. You could say that about anyone, probably. Yeah. But I think just because I'm getting more into McCartney, I'm, I'm thinking what a great songwriter McCartney is, and how he was one saying, "Let's make another album with the Beatles," and I think he gets a bad rap. So maybe I'm just feeling defensive about McCartney, and I'm yeah. feeling like Lennon with hey. You don't have to take sides. Yeah, that's true. They're yeah, you're right. They're both cool in different ways. They've both got their problems. Yeah. But I don't know what accent I'm doing. That was good. Thanks. I'm doing a Peter Serafinowicz. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, how's it going? That's offensive. Um, I have a Beatles tattoo um, that is so bad and wow. so embarrassing. So I have so many ta- All in my teens. I had a period of like two years where I got maybe 18 tattoos, small words and things no way such bad choices what was your that. first one? Oh, the first one's the worst um i got the word oatmeal tattooed on my <laughs> wrist there um, there it is yeah my dad cried uh it was so <laughs> i thought it was so funny at the time why'd you get oatmeal i just thought it was funny because everyone around me was getting really meaningful things and i thought i'll just get it'll be so random and then uh, i mean that just, is pretty random it's been a little bit less funny every day since <laughs> though and now i look literally you know. no other reason just you just plucked it out of the air well uh, if i'm being honest this person i had a crush on kind of drew it on me as a joke and then i thought it would be hilarious if yeah. i got it tattooed and then i showed the person and they were like horrified i mean what a creepy stalker move. But <laughs> that is <yeah>. quite psycho. <laughs> but I got this tattoo of um I went through a phase where and I was smoking a lot of weed and I was, you know, yeah, yeah. in my teens and I got I dig a pony. Uh right. That cuz I in my mind I was like this is the song that sums up their whole message. Got it tattooed and then I and then I googled it. And the first thing that came up was a quote from John Lennon saying, that's my least favorite song that I ever wrote. It, ah. means, it means nothing. I want to throw it in the garbage. It's Erase it from my discography. Like, he hates that song. Is that, everybody had a cool time? No. Everybody, get, no. That's I Got a Feeling, isn't it? I Got a Feeling, yes, the, yes. I Dig a Pony is just nonsense. It's from Let It Be. It's, I dig a pony. Oh, God. That was, uh, uh, yeah, that one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What a lunatic. So you went out and you got it. You went for an obscure track from their least loved album. I think, I, yeah, that day I was just really moved by it. And then the worst part is that it sort of looks like, because it's a badly done tattoo. It's mm-hmm. like $40. And it looks like I dig pussy. That's ah. what it looks like. <laughs> uh, so people come up to me on the beach. They're like, that is so brave. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I dig a pony. Well, you can celebrate anything you want. Oh, yeah, I remember this one, yeah. I do a roadhog. Well, you can penetrate any place you go. Yes, you can penetrate any place you go. I told you so. All I want is you. you. Everything Everything has got to be just like you want it to. So good. 
It is good, actually, isn't it? I mean, they were a good band. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I pick a moon dog. Well, you can radiate. Right. So that's definitely Lennon, isn't it? Very Lennon. Yeah, yeah. You can syndicate any boat you row. What does that mean? But in the, in the moment, I was like, I, that speaks to me. <laughs> that's good. I'm happy with both those tattoos. Yeah, they all, you know. What about the other ones? What about the other 16? Oh, God, they're all, they're all bad. They're, they're all small black text ones. So I yeah. don't have any big sleeves or anything. And they kind of, when you look at me, you don't, I don't look like a tattooed person. The, no, you, know, you don't. Yeah, your mind doesn't really, you don't take them in. But they're all, they're all over. Yeah, all kinds of things. Are they lo- is there a cluster of them in, in an down, area? Down my sides uh-huh. and on my back I have a couple and on my ankles, all over my ankles. Oh, isn't that yeah. painful? It was fine, you know. I, it was just, you get addicted. You, once you break the seal and you get your first one. And how, when was the last t- time you got one? Uh, yeah, I like that I'm talking about it as if it was this mad phase, but I got one at Christmas. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I got it uh, number one at Christmas. Don't know why. Because you yeah. love the charts. Love the charts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm really into that new Calvin Harris song that just got to number one. And where's the number one? How big is that? A tiny, and it's maybe my worst one. It's kind of falling out. It's oh. just there. Okay. May's just, indicating just above her my, right hip. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... That's good. You love tattoos. But it's going to be... People without tattoos are going to be in the minority. And it'll be the cool thing. I really... I've started now, so I can't... If mm. I, I I wish I hadn't started, but now I'm into it. And, yeah, It's amazing, isn't it, how much it's become a part of the culture. You know Todd Barry, the comedian? Yeah. He's got a good line uh, when he sees someone with a sort of face tattoo or something very elaborate and yeah. covering a lot of skin. He says, uh, I always think I want to go up to that guy and say, hey, you forgot not to do that. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> um, because you do think like... You do forget in the, mom- in the moment not to do that. Yeah. yeah. And then th- there is definitely... I mean, not all of mine, but there are some that I think that almost immediately after I got them, I thought, oh, I just remembered not to get that tattoo. <laughs> yeah, that, I like that line a lot. Wow. Tattoos. Yeah, I'm not sure if I would... Uh, it's a bit late now anyway. Yeah, I always think if... I, Plus, I'm too hairy. Yeah, you'd have to shave. They shave you first. They even shave me first. If they're doing a patch, they shave it. Uh, <laughs> you'd have a real... You'd be there for hours. I was watching The 40-Year-Old Virgin again the other day. Or Great at least a, movie. a bit of it. It is quite good. It's quite good when like old comedy movies pop up on TV. I find myself yeah. with my wife, my wife, watching them right the way through a lot of the time. And we had a little bumper classic early noughties, I suppose, comedy viewing fest the other night so good it was 40 year old virgin and that scene where he gets his chest waxed that's yeah. real right i think it's real yeah i remember reading that doesn't that seem like yesterday that that movie it came really out? does yeah. and the other one was bridesmaids that we watched yeah and bridesmaids looks like something from the 40s really now. It, i think it was shot on film yeah. it looks that way and just the cars even look different and the yeah. phones and it's yeah. so weird yeah it's so weird. god it's funny that film and i mean i liked it when it came out bridesmaids i'm talking about oh yes, yeah, so good but she, Kristen Wiig, is sort of surreally so inspired in yeah. almost every scene in that. Yeah, she's amazing. That bit on the plane. I love it. Where she gets arseholed and, and she's got nerves. So her friend gives her a couple of pills and then she washes it down yeah. with scotch. <laughs> so good. Oh, my God. And she's getting into a... Uh, confrontation with the flight attendant it's so funny it's the i think it's maybe the one of the funniest scenes 
ever. Yeah, my mum loves that movie, and my dad weirdly hates it, but he's... We have pretty similar tastes, my dad and I, but he couldn't deal with the uh, the diarrhea scene. He, he suddenly... My dad's British, and he suddenly became very like, oh, I, I don't know about that. Yeah, but, like, it's pretty full on. It's yeah. a lot to ask. But I love it. I love it. I love a well-timed fart. Like you can't, sure. you can't make a hard and fast rule of no farts and no poo. But Sometimes your dad's not into the scatology and the can't do it. Toilet humor. He he turns off right away, and I want to be like, just give it a chance. Yeah. It's, yeah. What about what's so? Does he like comedy though? Yeah, loves comedy. And what sort of stuff does he like? Uh he. I, I mean, I grew up. We had all these old um, tapes of Blackadder and the Goon Show, and yeah, he loves the Bonzo Dog Band. Do you know them? Sure, yeah, of course. Lo- yeah, yeah, loves all that. But he also loves. Um, he's obsessed with Noel Fielding in a way. Like he really idolizes Noel Fielding. No I think, way. Yeah, I think my dad used to wear platform shoes and eyeliner and stuff. And he was in a David Bowie cover band. And he's like, so he sees Noel Fielding. It's like this old school kind of. Uh, I want to hang out with your dad. He's a cool guy. He's a really cool guy. How old is he then? How old are your folks? Mm, are they both still around? Yeah, maybe they're 60 and 58. Okay. My mom's 58. Good one. I think. And you're just 30, right? Just turned 30. Congratulations. I actually feel different. Do you? I actually feel really empowered. Yeah, I've been <laughs> I I really I wasn't expecting to and I feel like um God, I can't remember what that feels like. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> what is what what's 40 like? Uh it's fine. It slips by, but somewhere between 40 and 50 something goes <laughs> very odd. Oh, really? Yeah. We're, right. Almost imperceptibly, but then you th- well, it did for me anyway. You just think, "Oh shit." Yeah. This feels really different now. I think it's I th- I think I'm going to be comfortable with it. I don't yeah. know. I feel like um I mean you look 5. Thanks. So <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. But you do you, cap- you I mean you you're you're very fresh faced. Thanks. And you used to I don't know if you still do sometimes come on stage and say, "Hey, I'm Justin Bieber." Yeah. And- yeah. <laughs> I I say that because I have short hair and sometimes I feel like I come out and there's this tension in the room like if I don't say Oh, by the way, I know I look like Justin Bieber. Then people are like, "Does she know that she looks like a boy?" Like they, so I need to say it, and then they're like, "Oh, thank God, okay, she realizes that she has this haircut." Tell me about why you feel empowered, though. Oh my God! Well, I just feel maybe it's because I look young. I'm so glad I can now say, actually, I'm 30, and I can I can command a space more. I can be more. I don't know with hecklers and stuff as well I don't know I just feel maybe I just got back from Australia and I was watching a lot of American stand-ups who were they just have a a confidence and they walk on like their vibe is almost like they're sitting down they're so relaxed it's weird and because I guess here because we do Edinburgh shows or people seem to do a new hour every year and that's Mm. so different to the states where they're polishing like a 20-minute club set polishing a 20-minute turd yeah polishing a (laughs) 20-minute turd gleaming it up real nice um and then presenting wheeling it, it out to jimmy fallon presenting it and to every Jim- other talk show host yeah <laughs> <laughs> there were some guys in my show the other night who just wouldn't shut up and um yeah i kicked them out i never i would never have done that but i was like i oh, you need to leave it was it felt so good and how did it how did it feel afterwards though were you really rattled was your voice wavering all over the place my voice was i <laughs> maybe had a small quiver uh, <laughs> i'm hoping by 40 the quiver will leave but i no, uh it never really goes i felt good it was weird it was a weird atmosphere after that but people were so relieved that they'd left yeah uh, and all the what tension. were they just talking and stuff oh my god they were shouting out 
they were there was like an empty seat next to my friend and so one of the group had to go and sit next to her and then he sort of shouted at her oh you're going to be pregnant by 10 p.m he's sitting next to her and i just lost i lost it on him bit of bants there bit of bants yeah enjoying some bants oh it was so annoying but luckily everyone was against these men so everyone was on my side and i really lost it on these guys but i think it was funny i think i managed to be funny with but yeah it was exciting Mm. i was like oh maybe this is the new me Maybe I can just kick people out. That is one of the nicer things about getting older, certainly, is that yeah. you do feel like you have to ingratiate yourself less, I think. And, totally. and And you do just sort of think, well, if you don't like me, never mind. Yeah, exactly. You'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, and phasing out sort of extraneous people from your life. Like, I just feel like I, I know who I am. and I haven't thought about it until this moment, saying it out loud. But yeah, yeah, I feel good about it. And I didn't think I would. I've been, I've been very nervous about being in my 30s. Didn't, Why? What did you think was going to happen? I don't know. I think I really, um, in my teens, I sort of deified like all these rock star kind of people. And it just didn't fit into my <laughs> vision of my future, being older than about 28. And Really? You thought you were going to be a sort of burnout young um, <laughs> kind of lunatic? It wasn't that I thought I would like die young, but I just, I just didn't imagine past that age. Mm. I just couldn't. Uh, yeah. I hope you don't take this the wrong way, but that seems entirely at odds with the way you come across. Oh, yeah. Yeah, maybe. Does it? Yeah, I guess so. You yeah. seem to me, I mean, I know you a little bit. We, we've sort of been to a few gigs and yeah. done shows together. But superficially, you seem like you look so sort of healthy. I am super healthy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've, now I'm like a vegetarian and I don't smoke. And But yeah, I had in my teens, I was a very badly behaved. Were you naughty? Oh, yeah. I was in rehab and dropped no out of school. And, yeah. Because yeah, you said you dropped out of college. And I was thinking, well, you dropped out of school even. Yeah. Yeah. High school. Yeah. So when did that start? When did you, when did things start getting wayward for you? Because your parents are sort of unconventional when, when you were growing up, right? They were kind yeah. of hippie. Oh, they were the best. But they also gave me a really long leash. Slightly too long. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I ran amok a bit. I mean, they were amazing about things like sexuality, very progressive. But then I kind of, I started doing comedy when I was 13. And then I got really obsessed with comedy. And, and then all my friends were in their 30s. And so I was hanging out in dark comedy clubs Your every friends night. were in their 30s because you were hanging out with other comedians and stuff. Yeah, and right. dropped out of school and just behaved so badly. But I was. it wasn't like I was a kind of dark and i was always very chipper and happy but i was just doing so many drugs what were you doing (laughs) all kinds of stuff everything yeah what did you start off on so i started weed smoking pot yeah and i should say like this is so long seems so long ago now Mm. it's been you know a decade are you totally straight edge now then yeah let's say mostly yeah yeah pretty much yeah i'm very aware of my mortality now i've like holds the railing on the escalator and I always think I'm going to choke on my food. Like, I just feel like a totally different person. But I felt just invincible and really into the Beatles and just stoned all the time. And then I was dating older people and got into Coke. And I was selling I was selling MDMA. And then I didn't realize. But so my parents found it in my room and they tested it with a drug testing kit. And it turns out it, that it was heroin. Oh, and I, I didn't know. You're right heroin pusher well that's what my so then my parents were like oh my god you're a heroin dealer and i was like i swear i had no idea i thought i had no i mean it had been selling like hotcakes but i didn't i really didn't know and they did not believe me so that was a crazy did you ever try any of it then oh yeah so much i mean 
For yeah, for months. Yeah, I didn't know it came in pill form. No, it was yeah, it was in it was in sort of powder. Oh, it's right bags. Of, yeah, and it's, bags, and it's brown though, right? Yeah, it was brown. <laughs> Look, I mean, looking back, of course, I mean, <laughs> it was probably, it was mixed with sort of household cleaning products, probably. Yeah. You know, and what stopped you becoming a hopeless junkie then? Um, my parents kicked me out. I moved in with this comedian who who was sober and didn't do drugs, and we sort of fell in love and. He said I should go to rehab, and so I did. And and yeah, I had a, an okay time. I, I don't know what How I was How old rebelling. were you at that point when you went to rehab? When I was about 19. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know what I was rebelling against. Looking back, like I had, they were so permissive, my parents, and, and supportive. If you ever had children, would you do things differently then? What would you do differently to your parents? I mean, you never, I have no idea how I'd react. You, you must just have this sort of emotional response, right? When you're, if you found out that your kid was doing dangerous things, they were really angry when they found out and they, their response was to, to kick me out. I, I would think that I, I might not do that. No, I would be worried. I would want to keep them close. Keep them close and, and talk openly about it. And, and I probably yeah, I mean that's that's a delicate. They, I was so headstrong. I, I don't think there's anything they could have done differently, really. Right. So actually, kicking you out was okay for you. Um, it was tough. Yeah, we didn't speak for a couple of years, but then we, now we're so close. Were you sort of amazed that they had actually called your bluff and kicked you out then? Yeah, they kind of did. Well, they said you can stay if you go to Costa Rica and um, work with turtles for, uh, it was really specific. They said, you need to go work with turtles for uh, six months or something on this program. And I I was doing comedy full time and I just felt like I had a life and I had a a boyfriend and I was like. Do they love turtles or they just thought, well, (laughs) working with turtles, that'll sort anyone out. Yeah, I think they were like, the majesty of the turtle is sure. going to just... that's probably pretty good advice, I would think. Yeah. Turtles, dolphins, pretty much any animal, yeah. Totally, but I was like, well, isn't there something I could do here? And it was a, yeah. Hmm. Wow. Do you feel uncomfortable talking about it? You know, I'm getting, I've never talked about it really for years because I'm still sort of processing it. And then, and then this year my Edinburgh shows about it. It's been so like palpably cathartic in the room, I think, that mm-hmm. people can really tell. I, I feel like confident enough as a comic to talk about it too and to take people to a kind of darker place and mm. then, and then feel like I can bring them back out of it. Your show is called Dope. Yeah. So it's all about addiction in various forms, right? But have you known people, though, who haven't been as successful as you as far as managing their addictions or their experimentation? Yeah, definitely. I think what's been useful for me is I've been learning about um, dopamine and making connections between not just drug addiction, but all kinds of... uh, obsessive behavior and things and it's all kind of in the same boat you know even I was such a huge Bette Midler fan and when I was about 10 but like in a crazy way I mean I mean like my grades started to slip I just loved Bette Midler what were you doing you just like just thinking about her all the time just I had her just my whole room was plastered what's she doing now is she thinking about me (laughs) and what uh, got you into Bette Midler uh, the movie Hocus Pocus uh, is oh. a 90s movie. Yeah, I remember it. I don't know if I've seen it. Oh, you need to. It's not to. top of my Bette Midler <laughs> You need to revisit. It <laughs> holds up really well. Um, so I was obsessed with that. And then and then I kind of, re- I think, replaced drugs with love and being in love. And, mm-hmm. and that is your brain does very similar things 
when it when you fall in love uh and so then making those connections has been easier to understand those patterns instead of just thinking oh i just got addicted to drugs and then i got sober it's like oh no it's actually interesting the brain chemistry of mm. it but yeah and what's the dopamine connection is that, that that's the thing that's released is it that yeah i mean makes I've, you want more i don't know i've seen two ted talks like i really am not an expert but i think it's a pleasure chemical and it's what's released when you desire something so that could be uh, food or sex or anything and it, you get dopamine released in your brain and then if you have a dopamine deficiency already in your brain then when that sort of splurge of dopamine wears off then the craving is very intense so I, th- I think that's what it's about what is dopamine dopamine is a neurotransmitter that helps control the brain's reward and pleasure centers dopamine also helps regulate movement and emotional responses and it enables us not only to see rewards but to take action to move towards them uh, dopamine deficiency results in parkinson's disease and people with low dopamine activity may be prone to addiction presence of a certain kind of dopamine receptor is also associated with sensation-seeking people, more commonly known as risk-takers. Can you email that to me? Mm. I I mean, this is basic research I should have done (laughs) for my show. Have you uh, ever used Google? Yeah. (laughs) It's an amazing resource. We're halfway through the podcast. I think it's going really great. The conversation's flowing like it would between a geezer and his mate. All right, mate. Hello, geezer. I'm pleased to see you. Ooh, there's so much chemistry. It's like a science lab of talking. I'm interested in what you said. Thank you. There's fun chat and there's deep chat. It's like Chris Evans is meeting Stephen Hawking. And so your parents got you back, though. Did you reach back out to them or did they... They called me up one day after it had been about two years of very little contact. And then um, my mum called me up one day and sort of said, oh, I'm going to the store. Do you need anything? And and we kind of haven't really discussed in detail. No way. You've never sat down. No. Talked about the lost years. No, we kind of have totally moved on, which I mean, maybe <laughs> I think maybe this, very British. Obviously. Yeah, totally British. I think maybe this show will spark some conversation, but... Because your dad's a Brit. My dad's a Brit. Your mum's Canadian? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You grew up in Canada, right? Yeah, I grew up in Canada. So. And what's the Canadian temperament? Is it much more like that sort of Britishness than something American? We have a really um, vague cultural identity. We don't really know. We're all Anglophiles. Everybody's so proud of the British connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we've got like the self-deprecating British thing, that sort of mild self-loathing but then also the new agey openness of of america uh-huh maybe i don't know it's, it's a nice combo it was such a great place to grow up i think mm. I, I got chased by a bear no yeah so How, what was that tell us the bear story no big deal i was in the forest um and i was at summer camp and uh there were bears. There'd sort of been a bear warning like they're, they're around the camp why didn't they shut down the camp they, they were just roaming at night and uh, getting into the garbage and I went to pee and then there was a bear like maybe 
maybe 25 meters from me and a big bear and um oh and it looks at me and they yeah and they uh, tell what color you was it i think brown he's yeah. a brown bear and they said uh just don't turn your back on it don't run from it but that is all you can do of course. you're so scared so i just bolted and uh I don't know if it was chasing me, but I went into a nearby cabin, luckily, and I closed the door and then I could hear it pacing around. You can hear that. Have you seen The Revenant? Like yeah. Every, yeah, you can hear <laughs> like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah, I'm going to get you, Leonardo. Yeah, it was saying that. I was like, why is he calling me that? And then I, I had to wait until, uh, I, wait, I think I waited until the sun came up, like for hours, just sort of petrified. Yeah. Whoa. It was cool. There yeah. was a log cabin right there. That's useful. Yeah, summer camp. There are all these little cabins everywhere. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, it's like center parks. Yeah. There's no real bear problems at center parks. What do they have? Deer? Mainly ducks. Ducks and it's deer. It's pretty low key. And you rent a bike and you do yeah. fun things. Yeah. yeah. Maybe this is the new me at 30, but I feel like I need organized fun and like... I'm doing a lot of laser quests, a lot of escape rooms oh, and things yeah. like that. Like group activities. And that's how I get my uh, adrenaline, mm. my dopamine rush. Yeah, maybe I'll get into extreme <laughs> nature stuff. Mm, I could do, I could handle that. I mean, I don't know <laughs> if I can handle it. I, you think get you killed? Could take, yeah. But I, 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 you know, I, I wish I was out in nature more. I know. Yeah, I, it was nice being in Australia. There, I went to the beach a lot. And yeah, because you were at the Melbourne Comedy Festival, right? Yeah, I swam with crocodiles. Um, I paid like a hundred dollars and they lower you into a tank and you're in a kind of fiberglass tube uh-huh. and then they're teasing these crocodiles with raw chicken getting them really pissed off and they're chomping at you like they want to get you it was crazy and uh, i wouldn't call that swimming with crocodiles yeah no it was more i would call that a cowardly crocodile teasing session oh totally so <laughs> inhumane yeah these poor cro- and also she kept saying uh in, hu- in human years that croc's 82 years old it's like, I'm, we're just teasing this old man. Like, he's starving <laughs> yeah. and we're... Yeah. It's probably a UKIP croc. I wouldn't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, totally. It was looking at me, though, and they really don't have souls, I don't think. I, <laughs> I really don't. It was looking at me with this slit eye. You know, in Silence of the Lambs, when she is speaking to him through this fiberglass thing, and so they're just... It's mm. this game they're playing. Mm-hmm. And she knows that if the glass wasn't there, he'd, yeah. eat, he'd, he'd eat her. Oh, <laughs> that was the vibe. That's right. Yeah, it was cool. Wow. And how, I mean, you've been to uh, that festival before, right? Yeah, this was my second trip. When am I going to get invited? You've got to go. Oh, I'd love to go. All <laughs> I ever hear is how great it is out there. I don't think I'm going to get asked back if that's any consolation. Why not? Did you uh, cause a racist furore or something? Yeah, I sparked a <laughs> civil war. No, I just, um, I was doing a new show. I was doing this new show, Dope, and mm. it, it needed some work when i arrived i debuted it there and it was i don't think it was ready mm-hmm. and i feel like i didn't smash it out of the park but i had the i mean socially mm. i was a, i was a real hit <laughs> i had a great time <laughs> i was out a lot it was really fun but um now that's very canadian slash british of you to admit that because of course if you were an american comedian you would be saying i crushed it oh yeah i crushed I destroyed it destroyed yeah. it yeah it was, it was pretty awesome and i i crushed it <laughs> it was electric people were losing their minds yeah i can't do that i can't do that no so your parents you talk about your parents on stage quite a bit yeah have they ever seen you and do they think it's weird they don't come. I'm lucky. They live in Canada. Right. Um, but they see stuff on YouTube, I think. And they they get so nervous for me. And they think that I, I'm going to cry or something on stage. Like Have the, you ever? 
Cried on stage. Good question. No. N- no. Have you ever run off and started crying? Uh, I've cried after sets. Yeah, after yeah. <laughs> that's sets, not sex. I've, yeah, I've cried after sex too. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've run off after like TV sets that I felt haven't gone well. Right. Well, you know when you really want it to go well, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just. But then they always look good after they edit it and crank the laughter up. Yeah. But never cried on stage. No. But I think that's my parents' fear. Of course. Yeah, they're protective. Yeah. I wonder if they'll see this show. Maybe. Your dope show? Yeah. Because in the in the last show that I did, they were definitely the heroes of the show because it was all about how liberal they were about sexuality and stuff. How do you identify now, sexuality speaking? I guess bisexual, but I suppose right. I try not to identify. I think that's the future is not f- feeling the need to Yes, to, exactly. To it's always a bit it. odd, isn't it? Yeah, yeah but I guess, bise- I guess I've all, yeah, always said bisexual but then if you're in a i've been in long-term relationships with women where i would have said i'm gay because i've just been with this woman for five years you know yeah. so it can change I think. and i only ask because it does come up in your oh um, totally yeah stand up oh i talk about it incessantly you've got a funny line most people think bisexuality is like a payment plan like buy now gay later yeah i think people really don't think it is a real thing still yeah. it's the, even in the gay community people think the bisexuality, especially with men, I think people are like, they just aren't comfortable enough to be gay. So they're right. You haven't, you're, you're, you're still just exploring. And, yeah. and, and at a certain point, you will settle down. Totally. But I'm just lucky that I think my mum, when I was really, really little, even when I was like five, just when she had that initial conversation about sex with me, she just told me, I said, oh, this is how a man and a woman have sex, and a man and a man, and a woman and a woman, and would always say, do you have a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend? Like, she that's she did it with my brother as well, and he's straight, ostensibly. Yeah, I mean, he's married. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so I was just lucky, I think. Mm. But, so I always thought it was an option. <laughs> and then, yeah. Uh, and my dad kind of was the same, pretty much. But my mum, definitely the driver, a real hippie, yeah, they were great. And were there other people around you who were thinking in a similar way so that you were able to hook up with people fairly easily? Or did you did you feel like you had to convince certain people who thought it was strange? Or I think Canada is about 10 years ahead, maybe, in, in terms of that kind of thing. Like, gay marriage has been legal for, I mean, since I was a teenager. And um, it felt always very, maybe I went to art schools and stuff as well. Mm-hmm. But also then, because around puberty, I fell in with like the comedy community where it was just the opposite of high school, where in high school, you're kind of so desperate to be the same as everyone. And and then suddenly it was this group of people who were not only saying what was different about them, but then being applauded and rewarded for that. So you were happy about it. You never, you never sort of worried about it. No. Yeah, I was... I always dated girls and boys and I'm, yeah, I just had had a really charmed experience of it. I mean, everyone has internalized homophobia, everyone. It's Well, not just homophobia, it's prejudice of all kinds, isn't it? It's, it's just anything that's different from yourself is, is takes a bit of getting used to for people. Yeah. Even within the gay community and stuff, there's a lot of, everybody's got some kernel of kind of worry about it for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like in Canada, I would do stand up. And it was such a non-issue that when I came here and then suddenly I would, when I would talk about dating a woman or something, and then after the set, people would come over. And so then I was like, oh God, I got to talk about it more in a kind of cynical way. Like, this is really working for me. But would you still date a man now though? 
Yeah, I'm dating men at the moment. Oh, you right? Okay. Mm-hmm. But I look gay. That's I know I look gay. So I have a hard time sometimes convincing boys <laughs> that I'm like. I wouldn't say you look gay. I'd say you just look elfin. Oh, thanks. Yeah, you're yeah, like yeah. someone from Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I get elfin <laughs> or. Um, so I mean, sometimes I look in the mirror. I'm like, uh, you're gay, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but then I went on a date with a boy, and then. We started kissing and he goes, all of a sudden he stopped and was like, oh, this is so crazy for me. And I was like, oh, why? And he was like, oh, I'm not even gay. And I was like, no, I'm a girl and you're a boy. This is the definition of straightness. And he was like, oh, you know what I mean? I've just never been on a date with a lesbian. Like, that's how, because my hair is short. Like, yeah, it's so deeply ingrained in people, I think. Yeah, it is weird, isn't it? I mean, it's certainly one of those things that you know is going to be radically different in the future totally 20 years yeah. from now people's attitudes will be so completely they'll be almost unrecognizable from the way they are now i think so um like, in a good way i hope yeah that's actually one way that human beings can easily improve you know there's yeah. a lot of ways that people are getting worse screwing yeah. up in all <laughs> yeah, kinds yeah. of horrible ways but that's something pretty easy that's not going to hurt anyone and it's actually yeah. going to do a lot of good and everyone's going to be a lot happier i know and i didn't realize that in ancient history, there's so many times where it's been way more fluid and and those labels of sexuality are pretty recent. That's only a couple hundred years old. And there's these ancient cultures where there are multiple genders and like the gods are all bisexual. And so we've, we we go in swings and roundabouts. But yeah. yeah, we're headed, even when I do shows now um, for like Freshers Week and stuff, mm-hmm. and they're all 17 years old or 18, they're so forward thinking and they're they're so tuned in to like all the terminology and i feel out of my depth like they're you know they've got gender neutral toilets and they're like totally with it Are you quite a sort of upbeat person or are you quite angsty? And I mean, I would say a bit of Mickey Mouse psychology would suggest that your drug intake in your teenage years was your attempt to deal with something or other going on there. Do you think that that's been dealt with or are you still quite... I think I was was such an angsty teen. Yeah. And then, um, no, I, th- I think I've, I've really stopped uh, fetishizing those... Highs and lows. I'm really happy just uh, going to the gym and having my pals, playing games uh, and hanging out. Drugs and alcohol, things like that, certainly do create um, peaks and troughs. Definitely, yeah. And it can be a lot of fun (laughs) and also so bad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Things just uh, get a lot more manageable when you're not. Yeah, totally. I think... Yeah, I don't 
I don't, I wish, I'm hoping that I come to some kind of um, conclusion or realization from, from doing this show about my teens and talking about it, but I don't know if I'm there yet. I'm not really sure why, yeah, I, I just felt, it just, as soon as I got high for the first time, it felt so familiar and it felt like it was these brain processes that I've been skirting around my whole life anyway with fandom and obsession and, um, and what would you be feeling when you were when you were high? Then would you be sort of excited or feeling glamorous, or uh, were you more interested cool. in what um, was around you? Or yeah, maybe more interested. Yeah, De- depends. More confident, more interested. That's what it usually is, isn't it? It's just it's usually confidence, confidence isn't it? Yeah, right. I also just um, I was hanging around people I really idolized as well, who were high all the time. So that Bil- was part of it. Billy Idol. Yeah, bi- yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was hanging out with Billy Idol. Yeah. Actually, my friend was in rehab with Billy Idol's daughter. No way. Yeah, and they were on this kind of wilderness rehab where you hike, and that, and that's all you do, and you eat beans and you hike. Oh. And um, so she was there with all the children of, of singers. And um, Billy Idol's daughter on Easter got a card in the mail from Billy Idol, and it was his headshot autographed. And it said, Happy Easter, love Billy Idol. To his own daughter. Imagine that. (laughs) Wow. Normally he doesn't sign them. Yeah. (laughs) Good Lord. I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? Is that generally that lifestyle is not conducive to uh, easy parenting. But do you think that that's kind of gone, that that old, that rock and roll kind of thing? I can't think of any big pop musicians nowadays who kind of party like that yeah you never hear about a trashed hotel room i'm sure there are i'm sure there are it's happening still though yeah it must be like i listened to the audiobook of carl barrett's uh, oh, cool memoirs carl barrett from uh, the libertines and dirty pretty things mm. it's pretty honest really yeah it's very candid about, does he read it he does yeah yeah, yeah. oh cool and boy he took a load of drugs i thought it was all pete doherty right do you do audiobooks more than you read now? Probably. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Because it's easier when you're traveling and stuff, yeah. isn't it? You don't Trains. have to carry things around. And, yeah. Uh, I like doing it when I'm doing manual labor. Yeah. You know, if I'm doing housework <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Painting or anything like that. Well, have you listened to any good ones recently? I just listened to the Northern Lights series. Oh, mate. Yeah. I've never, heard, I've never read. It was amazing. Well read? Yeah. Oh, by Philip. Pullman, I think. Really? I think. Uh, yeah, and it was amazing. Mm. And then, but some actors as well doing the voices. Right. Yeah, loved that it. good. I'm reading them to my daughter at the moment. Oh, amazing. Amazing. I love them so much. Yeah. He's, Beautiful. Yeah, I mean, that's about as good as it gets in, with children's literature, I think, maybe. I don't know. I mean, obviously, but it's certainly up there with all the classics, you know. Definitely. Underrated. So well written and such interesting characters and compelling stories. And Have you read um, The NeverEnding Story? No, I haven't. Really I've seen the good. Film. The book is amazing. Is it? Yeah, it's written by this German philosopher, uh, Michael End, and uh, he only wrote um, he wrote two children's books, and other than that, just philosophy books. But it's really good. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Um, yeah. I remember you recommended Slaughterhouse Five to me the last time we did a gig together. Did I? Kurt Vonnegut. Slaughterhouse Five. I just that's really funny. I can't remember that. Where would you start with Kurt Vonnegut then? Um, Breakfast of Champions, maybe? Uh-huh. My dad is a huge fan of his. I have a finger puppet of Kurt Vonnegut <laughs> that, that my dad got me. I don't know what 
he thinks I'm going to do with it. But oh, I think I've got some of those finger puppets. Those little guys, I've got yeah. one of Matisse and, yeah. Uh, yeah. Einstein. And, right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. My dad's big into puppets. Is he? Oh, yeah. He used to sit, he's a writer, and so he would sit uh, his office, like he always worked from home, and he would sit with a light shining on him, and then the blinds closed, so I could see his silhouette when I came home from school. So I'd come home, and I'd see these puppets in the window, and these shadows, and he'd be doing these weird shows. So I'd come home, and he looked like a madman, and everyone on the street would thought he was insane wow. yeah he'd wear mickey mouse ears so i'd see this was that for your benefit or yeah. he was just doing it right <laughs> definitely for my benefit oh yeah. that's really nice so nice yeah oh and yeah. what does he write then your part he writes so for years he was a restaurant critic but mm-hmm. he before that wrote weird he wrote a weird novel about astral projection like a fiction novel that is bizarre and mm. very strange is it any good i think it's great i transcribed it for him I was short on cash once and he just had a, like a typewriter copy of it. And he said he paid me to type it out. And, and I, was it a, a sort of non-fiction exploration of it? Or is it a no story fiction. that features... A weird fiction novel about a guy who has these out-of-body experiences and it's set in London and it's really trippy. And then I asked him about it. What's it called? It was called The Neighbours of Zero and it's about... um. That's a good title. Yeah, about roulette, right? The the neighbors of zero. You can mm. bet on. Yeah, and um, I asked him about astral projection. And he said, oh, yeah, I definitely believe in it. I, I had no idea. He's quite a practical guy. Explain astral projection for people who've never heard of it. So it's about in in the state between being awake and being asleep, you can you can project yourself out of the top of your head and then kind of travel around and you can go out into space and you can learn to control it it's like lucid dreaming i guess but um he swears that he saw my brother when my brother was a baby floating across the room and he swears he was awake he said i woke up i saw your brother floating across the room and his body was in his crib and his astral body was connected by this cord and he swears and he's my dad is not a mystical guy and he says he saw it happen twice. And my mum just like rolls her eyes. But um, Does yeah. he believe in ghosts and things like that as well? No, nothing like that. He just says, I saw this thing. And then after I saw your brother fly, uh, I got really into it. Wow. Yeah. I have no reason to doubt it. I mean, there's that thing of like, would you kill Hitler if you went? Like, would you, <laughs> like if I froze time and Trump was just standing on the edge of a cliff, would I give him a little nudge? Well, then you're fooling around with the fabric of time space aren't you yeah and it it usually has bad repercussions you're right if ashton kutcher's film output is to be believed yeah good reference good not (laughs) naughties the butterfly effect yeah yeah very good uh (laughs) what do you watch uh do you watch a lot of tv nowadays yeah i watch um I watch weird stuff. I'm, I got really into this Japanese reality show called Terrace House, where um, it's just Japanese people in their early 20s living in a house. And so it's like Geordie Shore, except no sex happens. They're all incredibly, it's just it's so interesting culturally. They're so polite and, and they're all just living their lives and doing their jobs. And they, they kind of date each other, but it's like they'll hold hands or something and that'll there'll be a six episode build up to them holding hands so a lot I mean, it of it sounds incredibly boring it's incredibly dull. nothing happens but it's so comforting <laughs> to me and there's this uh this what, so so what's the attraction then it's it's nice to just see people being nice to each other is it yeah and and they're so uh 
yeah, they're so ambitious and it just culturally it's interesting. Like mm, it's such a yeah. different thing and to be in your early 20s in, in Japan and all this pressure that they feel. And Where, What channel do you watch that on? On Netflix. Oh, okay. Yeah. Terrace House. Terrace House, yeah. Huh. It's really good. And and I watch all crime dramas and mysteries and things. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. what about um, docs, like Making a Murderer and all that? All that. Any murder. Give me a murder any day. You love murder. I love a whodunit. I love... I love a close, like, I loved cereal. I love knowing the suspects. And I got too into cereal, though. You know the podcast? Mm. Adnan Syed. Adnan Syed, who is now up for retrial. Is yeah. that right? Yeah. I'm still engaged with it. Like, I haven't let go of that case. And I um, I found, I went too far with it. I found that guy, Jay, one of the kind of suspects, found him under his pseudonym on Facebook and sent him a message. You did? I did. It was early in the series. And I sent him a message saying, uh, hey, Jay, did you kill Hey? Uh, and, <laughs> Get to the point. Yeah. And then uh, I could see that he'd seen it. And then I I thought, what am I doing? Yeah. What are you doing? I don't know. What did you expect? What did I expect? Yeah. I yes, I did. Thank you very much for being interested. I know. I thought I'd crack the case. <laughs> I just, yeah, bizarre. But I love that. What other podcasts do you listen to? Um, I listen to, yeah, a lot of crime ones. I listen to My Favorite Murder, which is these two women talking about their favorite murders. <laughs> But it's really funny. <laughs> that um, they've done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, killed two men in Brighton um, 20 years ago. They were, they were never found. Not my favourite. But... Um, no. I mean, there's another fellow I killed in the Lake District. I suppose that was mm, one of my favourites. Murdered the absolute hell out of him with, a, uh, with one of my shoes. It took ages. I would love that podcast. <laughs> what else do you listen to? I've been listening to the RuPaul podcast. Oh, I didn't even know that one. What yeah. did you do there? It's just so warm and he just chats and he's so likable. Interview show, is it? Yeah, he interviews people and he has a co-host and Love and Radio. Have you heard that? No, I haven't. Love I've heard people recommend that. That's a good one, is it? Really good. And I really like parlor games and I kind of wish there was a podcast that was just people playing games. Good idea. Yeah. What's your favorite parlor game? Oh, there's one where you... Um, you take a book off a shelf and then everybody writes a fake first sentence for the book. I love that, that game. I love that game. And then the you read the, game. Ra- the book game. Yeah, I love the book game. It's great. We play it on holiday. And the other the last year we played it with the children as well. Oh, no way. And we thought that that would throw it off. So listeners, in case we haven't explained this properly, you get a random book off the shelf and then mm. you write down the real first line and everyone else has to write down what they imagine the first line might be. You read the title. I've often thought it would make a good radio show as well. Really? I mean, let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, so everyone writes down what they imagine the first line of this book might be. And then the invigilator reads out all the first lines, including the real one. Yeah. And then you go round and everyone has to vote for which one they think is real. Yeah. And it's hard I, to be I the... explain in- that well? <laughs> yeah, totally. Hard to be the invigilator because... You can't laugh when you're reading. You know what the real one is. Yeah. And you're reading the fake ones. But you played it with your kids. Yeah. And so what they do is obviously... They just write total bullshit. Oh, right. although, although some of them mm. do really good ones because they're, they, they, they've just got a different take on it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's all any writer is trying to do with their first line is trying to make an impression, yeah. trying to stand out. And so, so a child sometimes has an intuitive grasp of that process and they can come out with something that's brilliantly memorable and striking how old are your kids eight 13 and 15 oh good ages um, to play yeah, yeah. so g- great right. age and we, and we had other children there who were hovering around the nine or ten mark and these two boys that were there they would 
uh, every single <laughs> one that I wish I could remember the exact ones, but it was all stuff like um, Geraldine's car crashed and she fell out and broke Donald's penis. <laughs> and it was all stuff like that. You know, everything was like um, Martin fell into a giant poo. And that's meant to be the first and... line of like Anna Karenina or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was really funny. So the rest of the game still functioned properly. Yeah. But then it was just punctuated fun. by these little blasts of stupidity. It's such a good game. So fun. Yeah. That would be a great radio show. Yeah, I think that's my favorite. What else? What other ones? I mean, this wouldn't work on a podcast, but I I just like hide and seek in the dark. Anytime I'm <laughs> at a dinner party or something, I just want people to turn off all the lights. When was the last time you played hide and seek in the dark? Oh, so recently. At a friend's birthday, he rented a cottage and we turned off the lights. It was so scary. And we played Enya really loudly in the house, that sort of ambient Enya music. Yeah. So when you get caught, the person hides with you and it just, yeah, it was so good. Sail away, sail yeah, away, sail all of that. And did you all end up just snogging? Yeah, there was a bit of that. Yeah, yeah for sure there was a bit of I that. Yeah, I did... Uh, I'm about to go, I'm having about five birthday parties uh-huh. and the final one is I've got a, a cottage and I'm doing freshers week because I never went to uni. I didn't, I, I don't have that experience. So my friends are doing freshers week and we're going to play games and do weird shots. And You're going to dress up and go through town in a wheelbarrow and exactly stuff. Exactly that, I think. So I think that'd I'd be like fun. This is a Squarespace advert. Do you want to build a website? Yes. I will tell you how. Visit squarespace.com slash Buxton now. Start a free trial today and in minutes you will say, My website dreams are finally coming true. Just tell Squarespace what you want to do. They'll suggest some templates that might be right for you. Dragon pictures and text, add some videos. And next thing you know, your website will be done. Visit squarespace.com slash Buxton today. Start your free trial and have yourself a play. And when you have decided that you're ready to pay, type in the offer code Buxton. Why? Because you'll save 10% if it's your first purchase of a website or domain. Oh, 10%! That's my favourite percent! Thank you, Squarespace! Continue. Thank you! Hey, welcome back, podcats. So that was May Martin. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with May. I really liked talking to her. I think she's such a uh, nice person. And I do recommend you see her live if you get the opportunity. She's very good and uh, a refreshing and unusual presence in the comedy world, I think. So thanks very much to May. I am now stood beneath the branches of a wise old oak tree. I was sheltering from the rain, which is now abated. And actually the sky is brightening somewhat. But I'm looking at this uh, wise old tree standing by its gnarled roots. And I'm just wondering now about all the things the wise old oak has seen over the years. What sort of stuff have you seen, wise oak? Oh, I see so much stuff. You wouldn't believe it. I've seen loads. What kind of thing? What was the last amazing thing you saw? Saw you going up and down the path, bollocking on into your recorder about yourself. Yeah, apart from that, though, other stuff. 
I saw there's a hawk that lives in my branches. I saw the hawk come down and like uh, get a squirrel. He carried him off by his shoulders and uh, go off and probably ripped his guts out and uh, uh, feasted on them. I've seen that sort of thing quite a lot around here, actually. Right, that's very dark. And what about all the changes you must have seen over the years? The world has changed so much. Well, some of the farm machinery, <coughs> excuse me, that goes up and down the tracks got a little bit more um, complicated. Um, weather seems to be up the spout a little bit. Um, apart from that, not much really. It's an interesting accent you've got there as well. It's um, not quite a Norfolk accent, is it? No. Where are you from originally? I don't know. I've got fucking no idea. My mum and dad grew up in Cossie and, and their seed was spread far and wide by birds and some wind. That's a very beautiful story. Yeah, yes. All right, thank you, wise old tree. It's been wonderful talking to you. See you again soon. Thanks for listening. Thanks very much to May Martin once again. Thanks to Seamus Murphy Mitchell for production support. Thanks to Matt Lamont for Edit Whiz Bottery. Thanks to Acast for hosting this podcast on their magnificent platform. And um, thanks to you so much for downloading. Hope you enjoyed it. And I'll be back in your ears again, I hope, before very long. Cheerio. Take care. I love you. Bye!